0: Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is
1: Peter Wesley Salmon up here in Ottawa. hope you are all doing good down the G-Town. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the much delayed return of peter wesley salmon unfortunately been too
1: long been too long and yeah,
0: that has been too long they, they were ready to revolt down here peter there's picketers outside cfru, <laughs> going, like, CFRU? yeah good, good good, bring bring peter salmon back what the good. hell
1: they listen to my tweets
0: yeah oh yeah no the, there was uh there was a uh, it, it, it was not a quiet revolt at all it was very very loud violent congratulations good 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 <laughs> We are glad, of course, to have finally get a chance to have Peter back on the show with uh, some scheduling snafus. But uh, as they say on with the show, End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new comedy improv ensemble, Theater Camp, which you can now stream on Disney+. Plus. I do think you can also rent it at a couple of VOD places, but disney plus yes
1: and you can still i don't know if like people will like want to it's definitely harder but uh, you can still see it in certain theaters i don't know about the bookshelf but it was at the bookshelf uh, a couple of weeks ago it might still be it still is in all the uh indie ones in ottawa uh so Mm -hmm. maybe a princess tune kitchen might still be playing it yes very possible very possible but yeah it's if you have disney plus it's free now too and it's not one where big screens like a requirement so
0: yeah and if you just don't want to leave your house it's right there Mm -hmm. um you know, we, 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 we see you, we see you, <laughs> we see you agoraphobes. Um, <laughs> that's in the back half of the show. For the first half, uh, we're going to uh, celebrate an actor that uh, Peter really enjoys. Um, a bit belated in honor of uh, his li- latest movie that came out a couple of weeks ago over the Labor Day weekend, Equalizer 3. It did pretty big business,
1: surprisingly. Yes, oh, and, unsurprisingly. Uh... Re- review wise well i i would say it's surprising because it did okay in canada and we didn't really get like a heavy amount of promotion mm. but um i think once people realized the reviews were great they uh they went out uh, i feel bad but for some reason i thought we weren't getting a wide release in canada so i was waiting for paramount plus otherwise <laughs> i definitely would have catch this one already <laughs> but uh it's always nice to see him doing well
0: I, I i did see equalizer three
1: yeah okay well my- maybe review it next time. We'll, uh, it's it's like... but
0: it's it's better than 2.
1: Okay, okay. That's all I need to know.
0: It's not as good as 1, but better than 2.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's already made double its uh, money, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so people like Denzel is is what we're getting at. And so uh we're going to spend the first ta- part of the show here talking about our some of our favorite Denzel performances, perhaps not the marquee ones like uh Training Day or uh Glory or um he got game or ones like that. I mean, maybe those are on Peter's list. I don't know. Um, I was looking for maybe some of the overlooked performances, but I know Peter is uh, a Denzel Stan. Uh, Peter loves his Denzel. And I'm curious why that is. What's what about the, the, the oeuvre of Denzel Washington speaks to you, Peter?
1: Oh, well, I just think it's because Denzel Washington is one of those actors where it doesn't really matter what the role is if Mm -hmm. he has some passion for it he can do like a a darn good job Mm -hmm. um you know whether it's thrillers uh like you mentioned or it is uh biopics like malcolm x Mm -hmm. um it's he's gonna do a a remarkable job i think what really shows out the most too is the tragedy in macbeth it's just a shakespeare reenactment and Mm -hmm. that he's you know outstanding mm. um also it doesn't hurt that like his son is great but i always <laughs> have appreciated that denzel didn't push him there was no like heavy evident you know nepotism being used So just some more respect there mm. um and i think too even though there's a lot of people that have varied roles including action films denzel is one of the ones where his action films are not only fun but can be of critical acclaim so like um american gangster right it's it's mm. fun for everybody uh including <laughs> critics so i just think that's the main reason i, I loved him since i was a kid it's, he's always in my mind and um it's just yeah he's very uh very diverse and um looking back to uh like he did sitcoms right like st mm. elsewhere and everything it's just he's, he does it all well mm-hmm. not sick uh, uh, drama dramas mm-hmm. um so yeah like that's that's my respect for him also, he uh, the one thing I love too. Um, uh, he directed an episode of Grey's Anatomy, so his taste is very, very dispersed, very, very all over the place.
0: Um, I didn't, I didn't know about that. Apparently, there was on-set friction with Ellen Pompeo.
1: Really, there's a whole Wikipedia section about it. Interesting. What <laughs> what does it say? Is it that Ellen Pompeo wanted in more or less? Uh, Well, I mean, the
0: episode was all about Ellen. It was all about the Meredith Grey character. He
1: might have been mad about that because 2016, she was already trying to kind of push away. Okay, here's uh,
0: apparently um, Ellen Pompeo has a Grey's Anatomy podcast, and Patrick Dempsey was on a couple of years ago. And this is what it says. Uh, She remembered having an intense fight with Denzel Washington during production of the episode he directed. During filming, Washington took issue with Pompeo improvising dialogue, to which she said, Listen... Uh, expletive deleted. This is my show. This is my set. Who are you telling? You barely know where the bathroom is. She added that while things calm down. Um, Denzel Washington quote, doesn't know expletive deleted about directing TV. So, yikes.
1: Yeah, interesting. (laughs) Well, we recently, too, uh, there was the comments about Steve Martin. You know, those, uh, we're starting to get some uh, comments coming about that aren't really related to um like sexual assault or anything just like actors yeah being kind of uh actors being actors just, yeah, yeah. Actors being actors steve martin though very interestingly went uh like vehemently against it like said she's just lying the um mm. uh harry potter botanist I, I don't know her her name
0: oh i yeah i know who you mean but you know it's the the point ellen pompeo was trying to make was interesting i was at Fan Expo or one of the Fan Expo events like Toronto Comic-Con or something. And I think it was Paul Wesley who people will know from I mean people mostly know him as uh young Captain Kirk on Star Trek Strange mm-hmm. New Worlds now, but before that he was um one of the the clothed brothers on Vampire Diaries, I can't remember the names. But um he was talking about being directed by one of his co-stars in 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 the show and uh, essentially about how, like, he wasn't given any notes about his acting because he's like, you know, we in season six and, you know, your character. So I think I think this is a very sort of TV actor thing where it's like if you've been on the show long enough, you don't like it when a director comes in and starts telling you how to play your character because you've done it forever. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, it's it's interesting, though, um, of course, uh, Denzel Washington, very accomplished director in his own right. Antoine Fisher, the great debater's. Uh, fences, um, a journal for Jordan, and he's also a very accomplished producer too. He did uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, he was also the producer of the book of Eli, and he has another uh, adaptation coming up, uh, another August Wilson play, uh, The Piano Lesson, which his son is actually starring in, uh, Don J- uh, John David Washington. So, yeah. Um, directed by Malcolm Washington. Is that another one of his sons? Do you know is Malcolm Washington a son? Uh, of,
1: maybe so? it sounds like it. Or fun uh, happenstance?
0: Is it just a coincidence? Um, I I could check. I really don't know. I'm checking now. Who is Malcolm Washington? Anyway, as we're checking, uh, let's get let's get rolling on. So uh, he's got but... a
1: lot of nepo stuff going on, but it's just in the background. <laughs> he's pulling some strings. But hey, that's that's impressive itself. Not necessarily a good way, but it's still. Well, it, yeah, I mean, he's
0: hardly alone in Washington. Um so, yes. and just because we oh, Mel- bring
1: it up, something I've always thought about too when mm-hmm. Carl, like nepotism's bad, but like for all we know, <laughs> other directors are hiring like friends and people not related but that they're still close with, right? So Sure, it happens. It
0: happens. Yeah. Um and yes, to confirm Malcolm Washington is a brother of John David and son of Denzel. Nice. So I mean it's nice. It's nice that they I mean can hardly i'm hardly one to talk about neptism after giving a rave review of you're so not invited by bob mitzvah but anyway um let's get you to hear, our, i didn't listen to the
1: episode it got rave reviews well i gave it rave reviews okay that's uh, one of you's enough that's good tim,
0: tim had trepidations but let's get to denzel washington uh let's get your number one pick
1: okay so we actually i believe uh reviewed this one uh mm-hmm. i came out possibly but um and it was like quite popular at the time, but it doesn't get much discussion anymore. Uh, fences, uh, mm-hmm. one of his like first directed works and like just outstanding all around. Um, and something I love about it that makes it different than his others. Cause like we were discussing, he has so many variations of what he performs. Um, it's based on a play, uh, a really, uh, marvelous, uh, Harlem play. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, by August Wilson, uh, renowned again, uh, Harlem <laughs> uh plays uh amazing at it and yeah uh, Denzel Washington directed a play and you know like Banshee's uh, of Nirin it was outstanding it was just as good as you know on the stage if not better you know more time to uh not even not more time but more more camera angle to really show his face and the reactions and get the emotions going mm. um and even though directed by him his role in it as well is really really marvelous it's one of those ones very similar to what you mentioned he got game where he's not a great guy but Mm. you still kind of you're you're kind of on his side he's he's very human he's Mm. very dual-sided as we all can be and it's just the relationship with him and his son in it is outstanding um and his relationship with viola davis is again outstanding it's also you know viola davis is the star co-star Mm -hmm. it's always it's always a win Mm -hmm. um and it's yeah it was outstanding i forget if it won an academy award but it deservedly got a lot of nominations for it um and i think unlike a lot of play films which really Mm go out of the way to make it different this one still it's just pretty much in the house Mm -hmm. uh in the backyard of it and that itself a really good look at harlem uh anybody just like aside from denzel anybody interested in um american culture or uh history like if you want to know about harlem this one is is phenomenal for it um Mm -hmm. and like what can come out of it right it's where um tyler perry all his work is it is from and uh, where the plays like uh you know medea um where his (laughs) fence is also harlem but so so vastly different which is really (laughs) fascinating um so yeah i would say my my favorite i it's funny because it's one of his more recents but i i really think fences is a washington standout it's just great uh mm-hmm. all around. so yeah fences number one
0: mm-hmm. i don't know if he's like trying to do the full uh wilson catalog because the aforementioned piano lesson will be the third adaption he's had a hand in after fences and ma rainey's black bottom um yeah, fences is a good. Viola got the
1: Oscar for for that one. There we go. That's yeah, and she deserved it. She deserved it without a doubt. Good. Yeah, she's the, yeah. One, she's the one in it. Who's who she? She's not dual sided. She's just lovable.
0: She's a good mom. <laughs> I mean, she's she's excellent in everything. Oh. Um, so it's interesting looking back at Denzel's career. There's like, he's one of these direct uh, actors who kind of works with the same directors over and over again um anton fuqua director of the three equalizer movies is a good example of that um but also spike lee is a good example of that he um has teamed up with spike lee i think five times and this is one of them inside man not one of Mm -hmm. spike lee's most well-known movies um it is i think it's still i don't know if black klansman beat it uh, in terms of like box office popularity, but it I, it was at one point and perhaps still is Spike Lee's um, biggest box office success. Uh, it is of course about a bank robber who um, stages and commits uh, what he calls the perfect bank robbery, and it is uh, features uh, Denzel as uh, the detective who leads the hostage negotiations. His name is Keith Fraser. Uh, interestingly, according to lore, Spike Lee offered the uh, off- offered Denzel either the Keith Fraser role or the role of the lead bank robber, Dalton Russell. And evidently, um, Denzel went with the cop because it gave him more face time, literally, because uh, Clive Owen's face is hidden behind a, yeah. uh, a, a disguise for most of the movie. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it is also, I think, the smart play if you're looking to build up both of these main characters um as, as sort of like equals or or as like equal you know protagonist antagonist uh you know, the bank robber is always going to be the more interesting part because you're you know the the bank robber, there's more drama there there's uh there's a plan you are getting violent occasionally. Um, you are mysterious because you have um, a, a, an end goal that uh, may not be obvious um so you get denzel who's able to immune so much humanity into fraser um he's obviously smart he's he's not st- just street smart he's also book smart he, he's kind of uh, able to analyze the situation he's kind of smarmy um he doesn't suffer fools like there are people because it, it's a bank and because of who owns the bank which is this like richie rich like new yorker played by christopher Plummer, who's brought in his own fixer to try so he's being pushed in all these different directions so you really have to believe that fraser can navigate all these competing interests when of course he's interested in getting the bank robber getting the hostages freed um you have to believe he's smart you have to believe he's capable you have to believe that he can sort of improvise and swing with these punches um because this is like you know the whole thing this is no ordinary bank robbery and um uh, Denzel of course is immensely likable actor just so easily um charismatic he's able to carry that uh through the film and it's really you, you you really find yourself drawn and um and, and and siding with him although you know one can make the argument um and, and Spike tries to make this point too that you know he he's not playing like the cops aren't the good guys here there's there's a whole system of like People with competing interests, um, all over, all all connected around this like sort of one central point in in Manhattan. This like bank on you know in the financial district. You know, yeah, you know, everybody there has an angle to some extent, and Fraser definitely has an angle. Um, and and it is worth noting that um, in different hands, Keith Fraser may not necessarily be a, a very relatable character. But I think Denzel makes him very relatable indeed, and there, there, there's just a lot going on with the characterization. I'm not sure the film works as well without Denzel in that lead role. He's, I think, he's that sort ofness. And I mean, it's a stacked cast. You know, you have Jodie Foster, Christopher Palmer, Clive Owen, Chiwetel Um, You know, likely
1: have a, a cameo as a. Uh, does he play a, a role yeah. in it?
0: Yeah, I think he's briefly appears as a bank customer. If oh, I remember okay. correctly, yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> he throws a trash can through the window, no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Inside Man, I, I think, is one of uh, Spike Lee's overlooked greats.
1: Um, all right, let's get to number two. Okay, so number two for me, I picked a very different Denzel Washington one. Uh, it's one that was like very popular at the time, but people don't really view it too much anymore uh which is weird because it's a christmas film mm. Uh the preacher's wife directed mm. by penny marshall um it is denzel washington uh whitney houston and then um courtney b vance mm-hmm. and it's pretty much courtney b vance is a reverend mm-hmm. uh and he's focusing too much on the lord and not on whitney houston so mm-hmm. denzel washington comes to town as an angel and kind of tries to t- take away houston but like his goal <laughs> so that the reverend We'll learn from that. And, like, they fall in love again, and Denzel saves the day, goes away as an angel, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just fun. He's he's just literally a great guy, and he just comes to save the day. Um, but what's really remarkable about it, or why I picked it, is because the soundtrack is just outstanding. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of those films where the music uh, really overtakes everything else. Um, so if you like music, give it a watch. Uh, it's actually the best-selling gospel album of all time, The Preacher's mm-hmm. Wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, who's the singer? It's Whitney Houston, right? Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Uh, amazing voice. And yeah, I would say this is one of her better films to view. Uh, it's, you know, there's no, you, you can't really see any of the, the, the her drug addictions and, and things like that are, aren't clear in it. It's a very like peak Whitney Houston film. So if you yeah. love her, I would heavily recommend it. Um, and denzel washington very lovable i myself haven't viewed courtney b vance in much even though he is a renowned actor uh and i would recommend it for this one he's actually even though he's denzel's kind of screwing him over a bit he's he is very <laughs> lovable. you want you want courtney to get his his wife which is saying a lot because like the the competition's denzel washington um yeah yeah, that's pretty much it for it. It's not like a special film, um, but it is a really, really great soundtrack. And it's, you know, set during Christmas. If you like Christmas films, I would absolutely recommend checking it out. Um, and if you're like a Catholic priest and want to be just jealous of all the marriage and, and love, <laughs> uh, it's fun for that. If that's something you enjoy. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I myself too. I just want to note I wasn't I didn't have much uh, Baptist knowledge when I was younger, and it did mm. kind of help me uh, learn a bit more about it. So I- I'm not saying it's like a film for religious learning, but if you don't know <laughs> a single thing about baptism, you might learn a bit from this. So, yeah. um, uh, I would also
0: argue the preacher's wife is not a a, a sacred text, but I mean, it, it is fun. It's 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 a realm that he denzel doesn't get in too much the sort of like the rom-com kind of silly side yeah uh, yeah exactly
1: it's that's why it's good to see especially when it's worked
0: because i'm trying i'm just flipping through his his filmography here he, i mean the, probably the closest thing is roman j israel esquire yeah uh, yeah
1: which itself is not i wouldn't say which i mean he's,
0: he's kind of playing like a, a, a weird a weirdish character in that yeah. um but uh, it it is kind of it, it, it's not silly it's not like silly silly like this i mean he's he before that he did like much ado about nothing mm-hmm. um and, which is a, a comedy and yeah he doesn't get silly very much which i think is um well he's he's not so bad at it no he's not i don't think he's bad at, at all i i, I think uh, like he's done some camp, like he's done some scenery chewing, but I, I like in terms of like being like comedic and being like leading man, uh, handsome, uh, romantic interest guy, that's something he kind of skipped over. But, um, I'm sticking to sort of <laughs> Dark Denzel. <laughs> um, uh, this is another film it, he did in, uh, with a director he worked with frequently, Tony Scott. Um, he did i think five movies with tony scott including this one and it was their second to last collaboration it's the taking of pelham 123 which is a remake of Mm. i think a 1974 movie um denzel plays walter garber who is like this dispatcher in uh the i guess the command center for the new york city subway system uh john travolta plays uh former hedge fund guy turned master criminal who takes a train hostage takes a train full of people hostage and is demanding um i can't remember how much money but a substantial amount of money from the city of New York to free the hostages he wants it in an hour or he'll kill everyone and he phones the dispatcher and uh it is Denzel who picks up and uh we learned through the course of the film Walter Garber is not uh typically working in the dispatch center. He is actually a high up muckety muck in, in the department of transportation in New York city, presently being investigated Mm -hmm. for alleged bribery. And that's revealed in this sort of very, very, it's a very dramatically tense. There are obviously just a lot of tense scenes in the film. Um, But this scene has particularly sort of dramatic tense where um, Ryder, who is the John Travolta character is, um demanding to to know w- why garber is working in the dispatch and not in an office at um uh, i don't know i don't know if they work at st- the new york city hall or not but let's say city hall and garber has to explain that he went and and visited this factory in japan he did tour of these factories in japan to buy new subway trains uh he had decided to uh take a bribe from one of the companies um, relatively small amount, $35,000. And, um, but it was the train he was going to pick anyway. So he thought, I'm going to pick this anyway. What's the harm? I'll take this money and I will use it to fund my kids tuition. And just the anguish on Denzel's face as he's explaining this story, because it's kind of embarrassing. It's, it's not like master criminal territory. He's, He's not he's not telling this like story of like, yeah, I took it. and You know, <laughs> he's he's embarrassed about it. He put the money towards like a sort of very mundane cause, his child's education. Um, He was going to pick the trade anyway. He's explaining this in front of the cops and in front of the mayor, and in front of his colleagues. And it's just it's tearing him apart inside because, you know, this man has lived his entire life. Just like, like following the rules, climbing the ladder, being a good civil servant and he did one time he did something for himself and this is where it lands him coincidentally on the day that somebody takes a train hostage they pick (laughs) up the phone and they call him and now it's all on him and it's the movie kind of goes downhill after this scene but it is such a great scene it is great denzel you know travolta dials it back for like a quarter of a percent just enough to let denzel sort of like own the moment and it is like really beautiful and heartbreaking to watch this scene in the middle of this like sort of tense actiony um hostagey drama situation and I, there's nothing to do with denzel but since he's in the movie too i just want to do a shout out to james mm-hmm. G- late great james gandolfini because he plays the mayor of new york in this and he's really? like yeah i
1: got that's increased my uh my interest <laughs> in it by 200 percent
0: He's very clearly in the last year of his mandate, and he's like mm-hmm. so fed up with being mayor of New York. And it's, it's, it, there's an interesting side note about how being the mayor of New York is like the most thankless job in the world. <laughs> and I love Gandolfini's sort of like reticence in it. It's, it's, it's kind of hilarious. Um, but yeah, taking a Pelham one, two, three, a little, little, little hidden gem. At least there's one scene that's a very little hidden gem for Denzel in that. How did it do, uh, the box office? I think it made its money back, but it wasn't a okay. big success.
1: Because, yeah, I, re- I remember it, but haven't heard much of it since release.
0: It's on Netflix if you want to check it out.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Really?
1: Uh, yeah. I'm surprised it's not promoted more.
0: Oh, how much is how much promotion is... Like, how much is on Netflix and how much of it makes the, the front the page? Promo- yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> All
1: right, let's get
0: to your number three.
1: Yes, so what I picked is <laughs> The Hurricane, Mm. uh It's a 1999 film. uh Well, I, I, I don't know. I, because it was really big at the time, but I haven't heard too many people talk about it. Mm. Um, and even the Bob Dylan song, uh, it doesn't get as much airplay as it used to. I, I do keep that. I think maybe because Dylan does use the one very, very racist word in it, although for mm. good reason. But that could be a reason. But anyways, the hurricane. He's also think, not
0: in jail anymore, so
1: is an individual. <laughs> yeah that i guess that's true yeah <laughs> um well yeah he's dead now but uh um, yeah, yeah he's he yeah. free too um, yeah but no uh i just i think it's weird that reuben the hurricane carter who the hurricane is about uh isn't really like that well known mm. um so i think this film is great in that sense it is denzel washington playing the hurricane a wrongly convicted outstanding uh boxer Who eventually, with the help of a, and this is, there's a bit of bias to why I picked it, through the help of a Canadian lawyer, Mm -hmm. he's able to free himself. A Canadian lawyer and uh, the hurricane's, you know, foster family um, just goes out of their way, uh, helps him, and he's eventually freed. Mm -hmm. Um, But more importantly, in the hurricane film, Denzel Washington and his portrayal of it. Mm-hmm. of the hurricane is outstanding him in jail and even when like you as the viewer like did he do it did he kill it you know he did it you can just see it through the hurricane's eyes and even when denzel doesn't have a line he's displaying exactly what needs to be uh for the theme of the film and i also strangely it's one of a liv schreiber earlier mm-hmm. before, you know he even we would even think he'd be in any Anderson films, you know, Wes Anderson (laughs) and he's quite great in it. He's quite great in it. Mm -hmm. Um, I also though, for bad reasons, Mm. I think the hurricane needs to be mentioned more because of how even a like black celebrity, uh, amazing athlete, uh, his popularity, all the money he receives is through, you know, the director of this film, Norman Jewison, a white Canadian Mm. and uh, you know, white, bob dylan so i think it's (laughs) important to note like you know it's about the lead is is the black person right but like Mm. who's making it really like it behind the scene who is who is the director right so i think the hurricane uh and why i picked it needs a remake i would love to see a black Mm. director make it i would love to see it actually not dominated by some you know white dudes that had had no role in it so even Mm. though i think the hurricane's great Mm. Um, and i would be very okay with denzel playing the hurricane again he looks <laughs> fine he looks great um <laughs> it, it could be redone i think the character uh that denzel even further showed is amazing the hurricane the real man should should have a remake mm. uh, but yeah uh even if that never happens you should watch the denzel washington one because he's denzel washington and as the hurricane is is amazing but i guess just you know keep in mind it is a white dominantly made film too
0: you think you think Norman Jewinson made this because Spike Lee took Malcolm X away from him?
1: I I think I think so. That's yeah. <laughs> Not think
0: so. I know so. <laughs> All right. Um I'm keeping it uh I'm keeping it box office for, for my last <laughs> pick. Um again, Tony Scott, I think this is their first collaboration, but uh Denzel and Crimson Tide he plays uh lieutenant commander hunter yeah. who is uh new to this submarine uh gene hackman of course plays the captain whose name's ramsey um it's it's his boat it's his crew they're well seasoned they've been through a lot together and comes this new guy um lieutenant commander hunter as the first officer and they're out and about in the ocean and uh this is that this is that weird period where we were like is russia going to become a nuclear <laughs> Uh, crazy town, or is it going to get its stuff together and be a democracy? Um, so there's tension in Russia, they're at the bottom of the ocean, they get orders to launch against Russia, and then immediately after they get other orders, but uh, they're discovered by a Russian submarine who attacks. And, um, there are uh, the, the, the ship is uh, I was going to say wounded, but ships don't get wounded. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets um. Oh, I forgot the word. It's wrecked. It's they, they get they get an injury anyway. Um, they can't no they can no longer receive orders, so they don't know if the the launch order was rescinded or not. Uh, Hunter believes they should wait to see if the order is rescinded. Ramsey thinks they should launch, and this sets up this sort of like two hander uh, between Denzel and Hackman. For most of the film, which, of course, you know, again, it's Tony Scott, so it feels very actiony. It feels very like, uh, you know, we're moving through this submarine at lightning speed. We're loading torpedoes. People are yelling and barking orders to each other, but it's very much essentially just like these two guys who um, are both making very compelling arguments and and you know you believe what you want about nuclear war of course but you know when you are the captain of a submarine and you are given orders verified orders from the surface to to take action um you uh are are expected to take that action um hunter requests a point too it's like we we're in the middle of getting uh additional orders we don't know what those additional orders are perhaps it is worth waiting uh, to see what those additionals order and fix our radio and repair our radio and and see what those orders are. So it, it, it creates this sort of like very tense, very kind of moralistic standoff, which is told with this completely incredible Tony Scott flourish. But the, again, it's the staging of it, because Denzel is the new guy. He's the new guy on the submarine. And uh, he has to sort of win over the crew as, as he goes, as he's sort of responding to these crises. Um, some of which are about morale, some of which are about the very clear and present danger of, you know, being under the ocean as trying to evade nuclear submarines as the the boat is, uh, as a submarine is, um, is, is, again, I can't remember the word. It's not destroyed. It's it's not injured because you don't injure a a submarine (laughs) but (laughs) uh uh, let's go with it the sub is injured um they're trying to figure out what's going on on the surface they can't you know they're they're stuck between a rock and a hard case and it's about the navigation of uh, not just like the situation but these two like very big forces on the boat who are uh, again both essentially in the right but um if one person is right it might start a nuclear war and and you know these are kind of like big stakes so um it's a good watch it's a good sit it's a dad movie i confess uh although i'm not a dad but uh i i i I still enjoyed crimson tide just the same great example of sort of like the 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 tony scott oeuvre um and great denzel and great great performance by gene hackman too i don't want to underestimate gene hackman either who's uh who, who is still with us, although occasionally... Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Occasionally, periodically, we do get a shot of him, like, picking up some milk, which...
1: Yes, there's one earlier this year. <laughs> yeah. and he actually looks... He looks pretty good. He looks good. He looks good. He's getting yeah. around. Yeah. They Steve. seem to love doing that in uh, in England the most. They they grab pics of him, because that's where he lives now, and then, um like, Daniel Day-Lewis. They just... They like getting the retirees. <laughs> well, I mean, Gene Hackman's near 90. Daniel Day-Lewis could still work if he wanted.
0: Yeah. Um, Alright, we're going to take a quick break, and speaking of working, we're going to uh, head out to the theater camp. You are listening to end credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus, and Community Radio. Devin, the accent's all over the place, yeah. but it's much better. Mackenzie, extraordinary. Extraordinary. Work oh, on the accent. Okay. Amazing, Stop!
1: She's using
0: <sighs> Lift up your hands.
1: Tear stick. It's just chapstick, I swear. Give it to me. Oh my god. Mackenzie, I'm not mad. I'm just furious. Your tears should come from within, from the
0: story, from the words on the page. Not from some emotional grenade that you smuggled in. What's,
1: what's a tear stick? That's an insult to the material, okay. It's a mentholated eyeliner that helps you cry. Joan <gasps> is screaming and furious at you because tear sticks are doping for actors. Do you want to be the Lance Armstrong of theater? No. Get off the stick.
0: Okay, that was a clip from Theater Camp. It's the new film from Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman, and it stars Ben Platt, Molly Gordon, Noah Galvin, Jimmy Tatro, uh, Caroline Aaron, Io E.D.B. and Nathan Lee Graham, and Amy Sedaris, criminally underused Amy Sedaris in this movie, I think.
1: Yes, I almost walked out. I was disgusted.
0: (laughs) You almost walked out. At the end credits when it's the second scene she's
1: in. Yep. (laughs) All right. Well,
0: aside from that, what did you think of Theater Camp?
1: Oh, I thought Theater Camp was great. Uh, Oh, It's exactly like what I expected and what I wanted. It's just a high quality uh, comedy about Theater Camp. And uh, again, as I thought, because Theater Camp, it does, you know, deal very well with uh, in like a comedic way, but like serious points getting across the um, LGBTQ uh, community and campers. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the art of theater itself, uh, the making of it and, uh, how crazy all the people involved can be. Um, I, myself, I went to, it was a day camp, thank God. Otherwise, who knows what would happen, but I was a regular at University of Guelph before they got rid of it, um, theatric camp. Mm. uh and like i loved it and there was a lot of people in it that are exactly like in theater camp so uh, if you're a theater goer especially i think you'll get some uh even more humor uh from this i think what stands out for it though is the editing and the soundtrack not the singing the the like just actual soundtrack was mm. was really well done the one uh montage of them getting prep plays the one uh paul simon graceland song not the most famous but like one of the more indie ones on it. Uh, and it's it's so well done, it's so well used. Um, like the uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, am- amazing, amazing music from beginning to end in this. Um, but uh it's comedy, so you know the main thing. Uh it's hilarious. Um, if for me in particular, uh I don't think necessarily he was like the funniest, but I love Jimmy Tatro. Uh it is great seeing him in such a heavy role. You know, I love Tacoma FD. Uh, I loved his YouTube and, you know, um, uh, American Graffiti, uh, American Vandal, whatever the, the Netflix one was. He was great. Mm, mm. Um, so it's really funny seeing him as, like, a lead. I guess the antagonist. He's not, though. He's, like... It's funny. He's kind of the antagonist, but he's the most, like... He's even more lovable than, you know, the a lot of, like, Ben Platt. <laughs> ben Platt's yeah. character. Very unlovable. But uh, he's supposed to be and is very, uh, very funny. I'm also one of the weirdos who... Um, and I feel kind of bad saying this, but um I I didn't I didn't hate the dear Evan Hansen film. So I there's no plat you're allowed negative to, like okay. I, I still enjoyed his role in this. I still enjoy him, you know, pitch perfect. he's great. um and oh, uh, also a further example of what we were discussing nepotism, right? Mm. uh the director is his fiance it's so not his <laughs> parent but it's his fiance so there's still nepo's not it there's so much more you know um but uh hey they love each other why not Is is like ben platt is good is amazing as a singer. why would you know his uh fiance he's the director not pick him um <laughs> and it was also really great molly gordon seeing her uh she was more lovable than him. Like she actually is like nice in it. She's really mm. good. Cause, uh, she's the exact opposite in the bear, right? I don't know if you watch it, but a lot of, no, I haven't do, seen the bear yet. She's, she's the villain. She's the villain. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I think the main character would disagree with her being tall, titled as the villain, but she is, she's the villain for sure. Um, so it's fun seeing her in this as, as, the lovable one. Um, maybe not lovable, but she's more likable than, uh, Platt's, Platt's character. Um, yeah, I'll stop talking. But I, I overall, yeah, I thought it, <laughs> I thought it was great. What, what, what are your thoughts?
0: Uh, I have mixed feelings. I oh, interesting. I, it, I it's funny enough. Like there were one liners I was laughing out loud at. It's yeah, I was, I know. was
1: pretty. But there, there you... was some too too much silence for you. There's some it, periods without a laugh. Well, no,
0: it wasn't that. I'll, let me just ask. Did you, it sounded like you saw it in a theater?
1: No, 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 I didn't. Okay. I was just joking. Okay. No, no, I saw it here
0: okay uh so um, I, I mean i wonder if this is kind of like one of those things where if it's kind of like a more of a group experience in a, in a theater and everybody's laughing at the same things or laughing at different things and um i mean it's you you said it was kind of what you were expecting that's kind of my beef with it it was exactly what i was expecting it was um i mean the, the whole fake the fake documentary format i think uh, for comedy i think is kind of played it's been almost 20 years since the office started um
1: well, but I, it's just, it's, but it's a genre of film. Like, what do you mean? So, like, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, yeah, just, no, it's a, so many horrors. Should we just not do a horror anymore?
0: I mean, it's, a, it's a, it's a, like verified... a mock,
1: it's a mockumentary. That's a genre. I don't fully understand what you mean. No, no. It's do a verified get rid of an entire I, genre. I don't want to get rid of
0: the genre. Okay. Uh, it's a verified subgenre. Mm. I, I just, I feel like it doesn't do anything with that idea. I feel like we
1: get the the title cards at the beginning and it's you know fear- I don't view I don't view that I don't view it as just like a film tactic I like a a, a mockumentary is a mockumentary I don't call it, I don't think it's a subgenre I think it's heavy enough of like I guess it's technically a subgenre but it's like um, uh house music is a subgenre <laughs> for electronic but it has such an excuse to not be house music like I don't it's it's a mockumentary like if you don't like mockumentary but that's well, f- more that, of a, a bias that's
0: uh, f- fair enough um, my. M- my beef is like it sets it up and then it really kind of doesn't do anything with it. Like scenes unfold, like nobody ever acknowledges that the camera's around. Um, like I don't need to have like this like the cutaway to the sit down interviews or anything like that. But it just like entire scenes play out, which are supposed to be like characters having like conversations that they probably wouldn't want to have on camera. And they just
1: kind of unfold. Yeah, uh, but see as, that's as, that's. I think they do that on purpose to show the difference of theater camp kids than like the other people. Of course, they're going to talk openly about those kinds of emotions and things.
0: Well, not just the. It's not. I mean, I mean the stuff with like the the Troy stuff, um, <laughs> where he's like accidentally selling the camp behind, you know, the, the, everybody's back. Hmm. Um, I, I just there's, it just it doesn't acknowledge that. I I have no beef with the mockumentary format. It just it doesn't acknowledge that somebody's making a documentary here. It feels like I see I see what you mean. It feels like after they introduce it, like we're oh this is a documentary. Wink.
1: Um, Yeah, no, it's definitely more like you said the the office or trailer park boys, where the cinematography is like a doc, but it's no not like trailer.
0: Yes, trailer park. Oh well, trailer park boys does have the cutaway. Team, i like, see what and,
1: you mean yeah and i i do agree with that it would have been cool if there was more um direct like looking at the cameras but, as if they were like answering a question from right. the documentary right because there is times yeah. in
0: trailer park boys where they're doing stuff where they like even guys oh that yeah yeah wouldn't want that on camera, camera.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah for sure <gasps> um
0: okay <laughs> okay the other part is like yeah it's large largely
1: improvised which i appreciate because i i, I
0: I looked on the IMDb trivia.
1: Apparently, they was got it? like I see. I didn't know it was uh, heavily improvised.
0: Yeah, they got they they got seventy hours of footage out of nineteen days of shooting.
1: Okay, so well, see that Jim that is that kind of guy. He's more of an improv, <laughs> so that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> right, honestly, the fact that I didn't know that I think is a good sign. That means there was definitely some good uh, like camaraderie. Uh, they were able to converse very well, uh, improv style. I don't have um, a problem with
0: the improv itself. I just I feel mm. like the improv lets some like get like there are movies like the the christopher guest movies which are largely improvised Mm -hmm. but they do have like direction to them they have like a a layout that they're following um in terms of like the style like the scenes they have to get it it, i think there's just far too much sort of languishing in the like the improvised scenes like okay now we're gonna have you instruct the kids we're gonna do this um the uh <laughs> there's you know the different things with like the costume design and and um that... plays this like like jack of all trades who like doesn't know what she she doesn't know a thing about theater and she's making it up entirely as she <laughs> goes along and that that makes for great improv but it takes us away from these things like why is rebecca diane like where is she going all the time and we don't find yeah, out until, like true. the last 20 minutes and like there's an entire portion of the film where we know that um troy is trying to save the camp and that the bank is trying to possess the camp and there's this like this other camp across the river or across the lake or trying to take over the land. But like mm-hmm. that that whole that whole portion of the narrative is like completely ignored for like 40 minutes and <laughs> so we tie it off with a nice little bow using title cards at the end. And it's uh, it's it just it seems like
1: well I think that was more like it was just there as a comedic reference to that always being the theme in camp films sure like um uh i forget its name but that one bill Hader one a meat meatball is no not meatballs but he has the one that's like set at a camp and it's exactly like that meatballs was about 32
0: of... meatballs was about 30 years too early for bill hater
1: yeah 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 <laughs> um Oh, I meant Jesus! I meant Bill Murray, not Bill. Hagen, okay. My goodness. <laughs> um. Anyways, there's so many camp films. There's like a whole Simpsons like episode about it, where like the two camps fight, right? Like that's. Mm. So I think it was more just like a reference to that kind of uh, camp film, but uh, mm. not necessarily like a heavy part of the plot. Um, but. Yeah, I could see why you were upset it wasn't um there was well, I wasn't of, upset. It, it was it was brought up and there's kind of a period where it wasn't mentioned and then it just of, yeah.
0: like it we're going for the gags. We're not really trying to develop like a like a movie. Yet. I think like if like this was based on a short film and you can kind of mm. get away with that for a short film. It's like we're gonna put together we're gonna improv this thing, we're gonna do a scene or a couple of scenes, whatever. But you're creating a movie. There's supposed to be some sort of like narrative flow to the movie. Yeah.
1: And Also, I, can... I was right. Meatballs is, it's yeah, it's the it's the camp film. Yeah. Um. And, and it's literally the exact same. So I really do just think the the the, the camp versus camp camaraderie is just a reference to old, uh, camp films. But,
0: but I mean, maybe. I mean, like again, there's stuff I like. Like I love hold like the Troy. Like Tro- I don't know if Troy Rubinsky was like purposefully <laughs> based on Billy McFadden or if that was like a uh no billy mcfarland um because he has that energy it's like i'm an entrepreneur i say things like <laughs> like what's this line where he's like they're they're entre-
1: entrepreneurs i'm an entrepreneur
0: yeah. <laughs> you know things like that
1: well and um, i am I, um, his relationship with the one of the camp students mm-hmm. who's like kind of like him he's he's not like a usual theater guy i i had fun with that the whole time the kid who wants yeah. to be an agent yeah the kid who wants to be an agent and he he sings the the post malone song yeah his, uh, and, sh- and then jimmy uh, troy rubits he just comes up and starts dancing to it whereas like everybody else is like what is this what do they play like what is this and I, uh, I i thought that was funny um but i also kind of again showed how even though i guess he's sort of the antagonist like jimmy tatra he's lo- he's lovable in it. he's a nice guy he's embracing the music you know
0: yeah no um, i i like jimmy tantra i like i like ben platt um, I, I, but that, that's another sort of relationship where we, we kind of have this like sort of breaking dynamic, like him and Rebecca Diane have been together since like they were at theater camp and there's like tension again. She's constantly disappearing. We have no idea where we have no idea where it's leading. And, you know, eventually we have, because we've, we have to shoot a scene today. So this is the scene where, where, where Amos and Rebecca Diane have it out. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a great scene but it comes like 15 minutes short of the end credits. And it's like I, it's you know, it's it's too late in the movie at this point to be like bringing in like the <laughs> these 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 sort of structural antagonistic things, you know, these these stressors and, and things that the, like that. That's like that's like first half hour stuff we're supposed to be doing in the movie. And I mean, again, but
1: why it... like his relationship with her is, like, the main theme that they hold together. So why does that have to end in the beginning? And I'm not saying of end like, in the beginning. Because you find out at the end why she's away, right? So it kind of adds to the plot. Um, I'm just saying and... that they don't
0: do like, ev- almost, like, every everything that has to do with the plot of the film, like, it happens and resolves in the last, like, 15 minutes. Um, otherwise, it's just, you know we're improvising lines We're being theater kids we're doing like goofy scenes there's (laughs) and it's again it's a lot of it's funny i i was having a a laugh out loud good time but it just structurally this didn't work for me i feel like it just it it wasn't
1: it's gonna be all over the place at camp though you know I what i mean like white hot american summer too there's there's so much going on at the well camp. part of the joke is that like everybody
0: was like 40 over 40 and playing summer camp kids
1: yeah that's true that's true <laughs> um whereas this it was yeah more of more of the uh like there were kids rage. kids in this movie hey uh speaking <laughs> of such, i do want to say the kids kids did an outstanding job uh their sitting was was a heck of a lot of fun
0: the kids were um, great. I wish we gotten more kids, and that, again, that might be a fault of the structure of the thing. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, kids.
1: And I really enjoyed, um, what was the actress name? Nathan Lee Graham. Uh, mm. He played the costume designer. Yeah, uh, Clive yeah. Dewitt. I I loved him, and I loved his comments about, uh, Amy Sedaris' character, <laughs> um, and how she literally just like the first day he saw her, just told him that he's awful at acting. But gosh darn, does he look great! So then he just picks fashion as his focus, and I love how seriously he presents that as a good memory, mm-hmm. like good advice from Amy's today's character. And I just, it's it's really funny. He's he's a funny character in it, uh, and his really... fashion is outstanding too. I will say
0: it is. There's so yeah, the costumes in the in the the big production at the end, I were really great. There's something really snarky and wicked in the undercurrent of this. Um, like that. (laughs) He remembers that as a good memory. There's also this scene where they're like berating the lead of the of the main musical, um, Amos and Rebecca, uh, Rebecca Diane, where they're just like, they're just like really like getting in this like child's face (laughs) about using this tear stick instead of doing genuine tears. And Amos says to her, "I'll never get this." He's like, "I'm not mad. I'm furious." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he says it so calmly. It's you know, there's... Yeah. It's some of these, some of these like feedback sessions and some of these, you, you know, uh, advice that these kids are given are
1: kind of bordering on child abuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, not even bordering, that- just straight up child abuse. <laughs> and then um, when they show the final play and they have the camera set up so that mm-hmm. Amy is still fully in a coat. Yeah. <laughs> and watch the play is so messed up That's funny yeah. Um, yeah yeah honestly like i understand your problems with some of the plot faults i i i found there was like such a great ratio of like last per, per minute that like i maybe there just, is i like it's... look past them you know yeah. um but i also do think some of it is just to show how in disarray uh camp can be especially theater camp until it's all packed up at the end for the showing you know but um i suppose but i mean I there, there's some more some more sprinkles of what was going on with rebecca could have definitely been been put in uh, for sure it, it's just i i appreciate what it's trying to do but you know i've seen waiting for government yeah so. the, yeah exactly aoa <laughs> uh, i also found uh, a little disappointed Ao dabiri was not like she's in it a pinch but we're just kind mm-hmm. of showing her character as a liar and then mm. we don't really get much else of her so that was mm-hmm. kind of uh, a disappointment but you don't watch the bear so i guess it wasn't like <laughs> she's not like super special to you um uh, not,
0: uh, for it. That's, and, uh, that's fine it's just they they produce five thousand tv shows in a year and I know, it's crazy i have a job and <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fair. i have to be choosy um yeah, but she was still, I, like, she was okay in it. It's just, yeah, like, she was, uh, I think, an example that you were given of something unnecessary and something that did kind of weaken the the, the strength of the plot.
0: It just, like, nothing was able to sort of, like, rise to the surface. Mm-hmm. And, and y- y- again, it, there's just kind of, like, no natural progression, which is, again, I understand it's, like, largely improv in nature and you want to present sort of, like, this scattershot of, like, what theater camp is like and all this energy and, like, all these young people, you know, who are, Young and vibrant, and are you know allowed to be them true selves in this place. Like it, we like to think we're enlightened now, but I I imagine high school is still very much the same for theater kids, no matter where you go. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but it's you know I I appreciated all that. I just wish that there was some more direct, like less improvisation, more what's the opposite of improvisation Provisation? um more like just more kind of like directional like it, yeah get
1: maybe even some more depth to like the kids and why they really yeah. appreciate the camp like what they do yeah. with at school yeah absolutely absolutely yeah um yeah. it also I think... I think was like 90 minutes on the dot so they they could have like maybe added a bit more to to you know you see i'm layers in. i'm in,
0: i'm in the 90 minute fan club so if... oh yeah
1: me too i just need
0: if, <laughs> if what you want
1: like a requirement it was it's still possible but no for a comedy 90 minutes is, is yeah. absolutely perfect
0: yeah yeah okay well we'll have to leave it there um yeah. and that's the end of this week's show so we hope you liked it you can listen to our show again by downloading it every friday from our website at endcreditsradioshow.com at the guelph Politicast channel on podbean or through your favorite podcast app like apple google tune in and spotify and speaking of spotify you can get the playlist for much of the music that you hear in end credits just search for End credits on CFRU in Spotify. You can stay connected to us on social media. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show, and we're on Twitter at End Credits Radio. I will be back here on CFRU Thursday at 5 p.m. for News and Politics on open sources guelph with scotty hertz and you can also find me on twitter and instagram at adam Donaldson, or check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca which brings me to peter salmon where can people find
1: you out there on the internet as per usual mr Tarak on youtube and twitter i'm gonna call twitter i'm a a rebel i'm gonna call it by its unofficial name i'm
0: not
1: i'm not calling it x whoa you just said (laughs) it
0: well, I, I, it, it, it's, that's what he wants us to call it, but I'm, I'm not, not sh- doing I, it.
1: I'm not sure what X is. I think you mean Twitter. Me too. Fair enough. But yeah, um, no, Mr. Tyrak, Twitter, YouTube, all that jazz. All Thanks right. for listening. <laughs>
0: Perfect. And stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return, of course, next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of this show and credits. And we will see you then. Thank uh-huh. you.